0: Good everyone. If you could keep that passage in Romans 12 open that's where we're going to be spending our time and if you'd like um, inside your church bulletin you'll also find an outline of where we're headed today uh, and while you're looking for those things um, let me tell you that all going well the Tokyo Olympics will be happening shortly. Um, athletes from all around Australia are going to be gathering as one to compete on the international stage. There are going to be seven-foot-tall basketballers alongside seven-foot-wide weightlifters. There'll be our finely-tuned swimmers, and then there'll be our table tennis players. Athletes, all of them, I'm told, meticulously trained, so that at the right time they can each perform their role. Using the language from Romans 12, the athletes will be one body with many members, including the support staff, all having different functions and all who belong to one another. And we could apply that analogy to the church and it would work until it doesn't. There are some critical moments where that analogy breaks down, not least to begin with being part of the Olympic team depends on your performance, doesn't it? And your ongoing performance at that whereas membership of Christ's body as we've been hearing through our series that depends on the work Jesus has done for you he qualifies you to be part of God's people and this analogy breaks down further still because when you think about it the performance of our runners is totally independent to the performance of our equestrians They're part of the same team, but their performance is independent. But in the church, the welfare of the body, if I can put it this way, the performance of the body, well, that depends on each person offering their time and their talent as one. And that's because, to summarise our passage from Romans 12, saved people serve. In response to God's mercy we cheerfully offer ourselves to god giving him our time and our talent to build the body of christ which is one another and so i'm going to pray and then we're going to take a closer look at romans 12 why don't you join me as we do that now gracious god we do thank you for your life-giving word and for the ministry of your spirit who guides us in all truth and who points us to our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for our time this morning. Would you enable us to get a bigger picture of who we've been made to be in the Lord Jesus? That we would live rightly as your people and serving one another to the glory of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. you can see point number one there the motivation for service a response to god's mercy would you follow with me from chapter 12 beginning at verse 1 therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship now the word therefore that alerts us that we should be expecting a conclusion And as I headlined, the conclusion is going to be saved people serve. As recipients of his mercy, we're being urged to sacrifice our time and our talent to God in order to grow, to build and to nurture the body of Christ, the church. Now, having that conclusion up front is going to suit some people. Those who'd like to well just bottom line it and tell me what I've got to do. And there's a place for that. Um, Because we want to see saved people serving. We want to see people applying God's word and using their gifts. But if we rush past the motivation, straight to application, we risk becoming cold-hearted, being motivated by compliance instead of mercy. And so to avoid that danger, we need to take in the landscape that gives rise to the conclusion in Romans 12, and it's not going to surprise you that there have been 11 chapters prior to where we've been. And so earlier in Romans 5, for example, we're told that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, enemies, at that point, at just the right time, Christ died for us. And then there's that famous declaration you'll know from Romans 8, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We deserve condemnation, but we're treated with mercy. Therefore, brothers and sisters, chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So whatever else we might say, about serving God with our time and our talent, for our service to please him, it's gonna to need to be motivated by a deep gratitude on our part, a responsive gratitude. And it needs to be, that is our service needs to be motivated by gratitude because all other motivations will prove unsustainable. I read an article this week that generated my instant sympathy. If you've ever been a member of a Parents and Citizens Association, a P&C, you'll know what I mean. A mum wrote into the ABC, and here's what she had to say. She said, it's always the same people putting up their hands to help. They're reluctant to go the extra mile, she said, if it feels like they're pulling the cart by themselves. Now, that is a pattern being played out in almost every volunteer organisation across our country. And you're even going to hear similar sentiments expressed in churches. But I'll tell you the difference. Our church is not a volunteer organisation. We are not a volunteer organisation. We are, you can see it with me, verse 1, we are brothers and sisters. We are family. Gathered by God. We're not volunteers and there's a big difference. I can remember a Ugandan PhD student preaching a sermon at Moore College. Like many African preachers, Alfred had this wonderful gift. He could shout at you, he could correct you sharply, but always with this massive smile on his face, so that you almost felt better even though he'd just given you a shellacking. He that day was talking about Christian service, and at one point he raised his voice and pointed his finger and he said, You are not volunteers. You are disciples. And what he meant was that we follow the one who came not to be served, but to serve. He's our master. And therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Saved people serve. Offering our time and our talent in response to God's mercy. And so, point number two, let's explore the mindset of the servant. Look with me at verse two. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Saved people serve with a renewed mindset. If you want to get a glimpse of what your mindset was like before you became a Christian, you could go back to Romans 1. We're going to look at Romans 1 in Term 2. What were our minds like? Before we became Christians, well, they were depraved and rebellious. We were instinctively hostile to God. We neither wanted to know him, much less do his will, and we were selfish in every conceivable way. But now, verse 2, chapter 12, as God's spirit transforms our minds, instead of being ignorant and hostile towards God's will, we can both know and do his will. It's a radical transformation. So then, why do we get this warning in verse 3? Did you notice it's a warning? For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, I want you to notice very carefully, it does not say, don't think of yourself highly. You are a child of God and precious to him, deeply loved, chosen. It says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. It's a call to having an accurate view of yourself. Precious, forgiven sinners. That's who we are. And practically speaking, we're being warned, I think, against two opposite but related dangers. On the one hand, I think verse 3 is warning us against having an overdeveloped sense of our importance. Perhaps that expectation, or maybe even that sense of entitlement that I deserve to be served by others. To such a person, verse 3 says, check your ego. Remember God's mercy. But on the other hand, I think some people will shrink back from serving because in their mind they've got nothing to offer to them verse 3 says don't think too little of yourself you are uniquely gifted by God so check your self-doubt take courage step out in faith and find ways to serve the body now maybe you'd put yourself in another category but either way having been drawn by God into this body you have a role to play Each of us. In fact, I'd go further. We need you to perform your role. Because saved people serve. And they serve with a humble mindset. And finally, saved people serve and they have a method. They know and they play their part. Back in January, many of us were at a conference, a Church Missionary Society, CMS conference, and our speaker, Simon Manchester, reminded us of a man called William uh, Borden. William Borden. His life neatly illustrates what God can achieve when people offer their life in sacrifice to Jesus. He was a college graduate. He had a bright future ahead of him. But instead, he decided to serve Jesus by sharing the gospel with Muslims living in China. And so this American went to Egypt where he would learn Arabic so that he could serve Muslims living in China. That's quite the cultural mix, isn't it? But William Borden, he never made it to China. While he was studying in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis and died. You could say his life of service was a failure. But proving that nothing is wasted in God's economy and highlighting, verse 1, that God really is pleased when people offer themselves as living sacrifices, here we are, 107 years later, being spurred on by this man's short, faithful life, even even though he never achieved what he planned under God. Never made it. And I raise this because when we get to the detail of serving Jesus and what it looks like in our church, we can too easily believe that our gifts are small, possibly even insignificant. Forgetting that God is less concerned by the outcome of our achievements and is more concerned that we offer him our full heart. God will look after the results. As to the nature of Borden's heart, William Borden, what can we say? Well, it's believed that written inside the cover of his Bible is this, no regrets, no compromises, no reserves, no reserves. Makes me wonder what William Borden might say to the modern-day Christian who says they are time poor. We all deal in the same currency, we all have the same amount of hours, Same saved people serve, they have a method and they know their part. Look at verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members don't all have the same function, verse 5, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Every part of your body has a role. And every part of your body is necessarily connected to the rest of the body, isn't it? And that's why, by analogy, Paul can say, verse 5, that we, the body of Christ, we belong together. We are necessarily attached to one another. We are not a random collection of individuals. We've been gathered. And so whether that's... On a Sunday gathering here or some other aspect of our community life, we are gathered to serve and function as one body. But what does that look like, verse 6? Well, we all have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, then do it. If it's giving, give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, these are just examples. It's just a list. We're being invited to use our imagination. And as ever, God's word is so timely because I think over the next six months we're going to have to use our imagination, particularly if our gatherings like this become disrupted by coronavirus, which is very possible. We're going to have to be creative. But all things being equal, which they never are, I want to tell you about an initiative that we're going to launch shortly. See, sometimes people have the desire to serve, they just don't know how. Others are willing, they're just not sure if they've got the gifts. If I could give you one quick example, we have a bunch of junior leaders who take our Friday kids on Epic, at Epic on Friday. I would describe some of them as being unconsciously competent. They're competent, they just don't know it yet. I can see it, other adults can see it, And with time and training and the right exposure to encouragement, I can see them flourishing in Christian service for years, possibly in some cases maybe even full-time ministry. My point is, in faith, they're having a go. And as a side benefit, the more they serve, the more they they feel connected. The more they serve, the more they feel connected to one another. Why? Because... They're serving the body. Now, this is going to come to you either in hard copy, if you prefer that, or it's going to come to you online. Let me read you the introduction to this ministry initiative. Our church relies on people whose love for Jesus finds expression in practical acts of service. And God's word urges us, and we've heard it this morning, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices of the body, that is Christ's people. By completing this form, you're going to be encouraged to prayerfully consider your part in serving the body here at Jural. Would you please remember that serving our church is not about doing the minister a favor, though he will be grateful. Rather, serving God's people in our church is a demonstration of living faith in response to God's mercy. So when you get this, I hope you can see it's much more than filling a hole in a roster, though there are holes to be filled in some rosters. Our Sunday kids leaders could use more helpers. There are gonna be rosters to fill, but this is much more about identifying your gifts and providing an an avenue for you to be able to express them. Because in the end, when it comes to your service of the body, my desire is that you are fully prepared for that moment when you meet Jesus face to face. I want you to be able to say, I was faithful with what he gave me. I want you to be ready for that. No regrets, no compromises, no reserves. Saved people serve. We play our part in order to grow, to nurture and to build one another the body of Christ, and for his glory we do that. Let me pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your mercy towards us in the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for his example, that though he deserved it, he came to us in order to serve. Father, we need the ministry of your spirit to transform our minds so that we would become like him, So would you do that in us? Would you give us the desire, the will and the obedience as disciples to play our part in serving the body so that together we might bring honour to our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.